You know, one of the things I'm telling clients is this is not a growth loan. This is not a VC or private equity fund investment. This is not angel funding. The intention of this loan, the intention of these loans is to keep people on payroll. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Melio Payments. Do you have clients that are logging into their bank website to manually pay their bills or even worse, clients that are still handwriting paper checks because the alternatives are either too complicated or too expensive? You need to introduce them to Melio Payments. Melio Payments is easy to use B2B payments and receivables. Think Venmo, PayPal, or Zelle, but for small businesses. Melio is an app that all small businesses are capable of using regardless of size, shape, or budget. By using Melio, your clients can pay their bills easier than using their bank website, and you get the processing controls you need like support for multiple users, approvals, and two-way syncing with QuickBooks Online. Melio can also help your clients improve their cash flow by allowing them to pay their bills using their business credit cards to take advantage of up to a 45-day float until their next credit card billing cycle. Now paying the rent can lead to earning those credit card points your clients love. To learn more about Melio Payments and to get your very own Melio.me link that you can use to receive payments from your business clients, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash Melio. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash M-E-L-I-O. Welcome to the Cloud Accounting Podcast. I'm Blake Oliver. And I'm David Leary. And I'm Michael Lee. And I'm Sabrina Parsons. Blake, I've got special guests for us tonight. I am so excited, David. Thank you so much for setting this up. There's lots of questions on what the program's rolling out from the SBA are. Mm -hmm. And even me as a small business owner, I don't know what the answers are. I'm trying to navigate them myself. So I brought on an accountant bookkeeper, Michael Lee, who is advising hundreds of his clients probably on how to navigate this process. And then Sabrina Parsons, who's been on the podcast before, she actually is on the board of directors at a bank. And Sabrina has inside tracks with the SBA and the SBDC. So she can kind of give us like what's happening behind the scenes um, during this process as well. With that said, uh, Michael and Sabrina, if you guys wanted to jump in and maybe say hi. Yes. Hi. Thank, thanks, David and Blake for having us, for having me and uh, for having both of us. And uh, uh, David, yeah, your situation is very similar to many uh, millions of other small business owners across the country. Yeah, thank you. I'm really happy to be back with you guys, Blake and David. The last time we were together, we were actually at a conference, which seems so far away and so foreign now, since we're not allowed to ever do that in person for I don't know how long. So I'm glad to be talking to you guys in some way or another. And uh, I'm really glad to be doing this content today because the number of small businesses in the United States right now that are struggling is staggering. But there are some programs that can help them. And these programs are very difficult to wade through and figure out, you know, what's good for what business. So hopefully we can help people. And Sabrina, what bank are you affiliated with? I'm on the board of Oregon Pacific Bank, which is a small community bank in Oregon. Gotcha. And, and Michael, uh, for the folks who may not know who you are listening in, um, you know, where, where are you located and, and you know, what, what, what's your firm look like? I'm normally located in Burlington, Vermont, though I'm, I'm sheltering in place in Tempe, Arizona right now. And um, I am CEO and founder of Reconciled. We're an online bookkeeping and business advisory practice. Um, I've got 27 employees working from nine states and serving about 150 plus clients across the country. So you must be really busy right now with all of these SBA loan questions, applications, I imagine. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, from sunup to sundown, that's all I'm doing right now. 
so even though we can't see each other and we can't get together, you and David and I are all in the same state because I'm in Phoenix right now. I'm normally in LA, but I am also sheltering in place in Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, the one time the three of us are in the same state, we can't even see each other in person. <laughs> so so we're representing Phoenix, Tempe, and and Tucson. So it's like, those are like the three cities in, in Arizona, right, David? Yeah, there's still Flagstaff. There's a couple <laughs> other, but yes. yes, yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> They're the only three worth worth going to, right? <laughs> oh, all right. What we're going to talk about tonight is the two types of SBA loans available. I understand there are two right now. And of course, this could all change very quickly, right? We've got the Paycheck Protection Program, also known as the PPP, and the Economic Injury Disaster Loan Program, aka EIDL. And by the end of this, we will all be really sick of acronyms. Am I right? Did I get that right, Michael? <laughs> Yeah, you got that right. And actually, those are the two we'll talk about primarily on the show, but there's actually um, plenty more that the SBA does. But those two specific specific ones have gotten the most press over the past several weeks. Yeah. So where where do we want to start with all of this? So, I mean, I I think I've heard from a lot of accounts and bookkeepers, there's a little bit of a playbook here, right? Like, hey, you want to first um, get control of your expenses, go for any free money that you can go for renegotiate interest rates in your loans and any terms you can with your vendors. And then it's like, okay, now the stimulus is out there and it's, and on, you know, you go to CNN, you see there's going to be, what is it? $350 billion for small businesses. And it goes live tonight at midnight and it's just this grab, but then you step back and the rules are just overwhelming. And like, what's a small business owner? What you do first? Do you do the emergency thing first? Do you do the uh, paycheck protection program first? I mean, it's kind of like in a way, like Michael, I'm coming to you as, as a client, maybe, and I'm like, what do I do? What's the first thing? Yeah, that's a great question, Dave, and that's a question I've been asked hundreds of times um, throughout the past several weeks. So first, I, you know, the first advice is uh, what exactly you exactly did is you asked an advisor of yours, right? You, if I was advising you, you came to me as an advisor and. You said, hey, here's the situation. And so I'm telling every client, that's great that you came forward and that you're wanting to advise. And hopefully the advisor you're working with has actively come out to you and been proactive with you to help you through this you know, worldwide pandemic situation, very unique situation. I recommend in any of the listeners to go to their banker, to their attorney, to their accountant, uh, CPA, business advisor, and talk through this. And if they're working with an SBDC rep, or an SBA rep to work through this. Um, so the first thing you want to assess is, you know, what is the state of your business and your cash flow? And you want to work with uh, your accountant or your internal accounting staff to assess that situation and to really see if your business, how it can survive and if it will survive over the next, you know, 60 to 90 days and for the rest of the year, and what kind of impact uh, this COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic ha- will have on your business. So I think that's the first thing you want to know before you uh, apply or go for any assistance. You just kind of want to know the state of your business. And then secondly, um, every state, uh, depending on where you are and every industry is actually going to have different types of grants and incentives that are available to you. And um, so you're going to want to research and reach out to both the stake, you know, your state's economic uh, or development authority to see what grants might be possible in your area. And there are both private and public grants and assistance and loans that are being made available that are on a state-by-state and industry-by-industry basis. And so just doing a quick Google search is going to help you and also reaching out to your industry's trade association, which is going to be very, very helpful. So that's where I would, you know, begin um, your journey before you, before okay. you um, look at any of this. So then... Um you know, let's let's say we do that and we determine that it, you know, we are going to survive or we, we have a, 
a path to survival if we take advantage of some uh, extra financing or take on a loan or something like that, right? Because we don't want to do it if we're just going to fold anyway, right? <laughs> right, right. So, so we, we decide, okay, we can serve, we can get through this. We just need the financing. So now we're going to go get one of these loans. And uh, maybe this is a good uh, place for Sabrina to come in. And well, let me ask this. <laughs> There's so much I can't even think. Um, why are the banks involved in this? Like, what? How, how is this whole thing working? So, this is a federal uh, program with the Small Business Administration, but the all the lending is going through the banks, not the SBA. Like, and all the whole loan process is all happening through the banks. Yeah. So that's just for the PPP, right? So it's okay. it's just for the payroll protection program, where it's going through the banks. The EIDL, it's that's a loan that's actually that loan structure has been around for a long time, and it's used in mostly natural like natural disasters. So think of Katrina, New Orleans, that comes raging through. What you saw in Houston, you have a huge national disaster. Sandy, small businesses get wiped out; they have to close, um, and the SBA is able to offer these loans as soon as the state declares a an, a state of emergency. So when the governor of the state says, okay, state of emergency, oftentimes they'll do that and they'll declare it in certain counties. Um, so your county has to be declared. Now, given COVID-19, we're pretty much at a place where every single governor has declared every single county. So it's unprecedented. So almost everybody is eligible to try and apply. Now, not everyone is going to be able to get that loan, but that loan is not through banks. That one is directly, you apply directly to the SBA.gov and it goes through treasury. So that is not through the banks. And that is a true loan. It is not going to be forgiven. And there are qualifications. If you don't have a good personal credit score as a business owner, you're not going to get that loan. 650 or below, and you're not going to be eligible for that loan. And if you're not willing to put personal guarantees on the line, you're not going to get that loan either. So to Blake or David, I forget which one of you said, if your business is going to fold, you certainly do not want to get an EIDL loan because you will be personally responsible for paying back that loan. So that one isn't through the banks. The PPP is through the banks because it's in the format of the SBA 7A loan, which are always done through SBA approved lenders. And those are lenders that have gone through a process. They get approved by the SBA and the SBA backs those loans. And so the SBA is going to back PPP loans at 100% if they're used correctly. So that's just to kind of position these two particular loans. The process is different. How you get them is different. Who qualifies is different. And the EIDL will not have forgiveness, although it's a great interest rate over 30 years, 3.75. Whereas the PPP, if you don't get forgiveness, it's 24 months at a very low interest rate, but it's only a 24-month loan. And so for the emergency one, if I heard you correctly, it's I have to have uh, put up personal guarantees regardless of my business formation. So if I'm a S corp, et cetera, I still have to put personal guarantees. Interesting. Yep. You have to have personal guarantees. And so you, you have to think through that. So one of the things that, you know, from that bank perspective, because, you know, the reason that I know a lot about the loan process is because I'm on the board of Oregon Pacific Bank. 
But through Palo Alto software, we work with a lot of small businesses. So that's where I'm in touch and working very closely with the SBA and the SBDC. And through kind of going through all of that, what we're realizing is people, number one, they don't understand the difference. And some businesses may need both. So my advice to a business, very much along what Michael said, right? You got to start with understanding what is this going to do to your, your sales, your revenue? And are there any expenses that you can cut except personnel? Because you will not have the loan forgiven if you're laying off people because the payroll protection program is exactly for that. So you have to go, you got to do your numbers, you got to figure out how is my revenue affected? Are there any expenses I can cut? And I'm going to model this out without losing and laying off any staff, because if I do, I'm not forgiven. Once you do that and you understand how much cash you need to make it, say the next six months, right? Let's, let's just think six months. Then you have to go through the payroll protection program and say, okay, I'm eligible for a certain amount that I can borrow. And that is different from the amount that is forgiven. So you figure out what you can borrow, what is forgiven. And I'm suggesting that people borrow what is forgiven. But that number may not match what you need. You may need more and you may need to use it for things that you can't be forgiven. Inventory, other expenses that aren't payroll expenses. So that's, Michael, that's what you were talking about when you said, um, you know, run these numbers, it's not just, will I survive as a business? It's also, does it make sense for me to take this loan because I have to keep all of my staff or substantially all of them, right? Correct. Correct. Exactly. And you know, one of the things I'm telling clients is don't view this as this is not a growth loan. This is not a VC or private equity fund investment. This is not angel funding. The intention of this loan, the intention of these loans is to keep people on payroll. It's to keep businesses afloat and keep people on payroll. So I've had many clients who have shut their doors or temporarily shut their doors and they're thinking, okay, well, I've laid off all my employees or I've furled all of them or you know, terminated all of them. I want to get this loan, bring it back to work. And the first question I ask is, does your business have any potential to bring in revenue at all for the next two to three months or four months? Are there any customers that are going to be purchasing from you? If you're a restaurant, a retail store, um, do you have any... Um, reason that you think you're going to be an ongoing concern. Because if you don't, you'll be bringing people on thinking that you're going to get forgiveness and then you're just going to be laying them off again. It's kind of, it's a pointless uh, process for you. So that's really why you want to evaluate, you know, and as Brina said, the point is you, you believe you continue to can be an ongoing concern and that their goal is to keep people on payroll to operate your business and that you still have customers out there that are willing to buy your product or service. And Sabrina, I think I heard you say that if I don't get the forgiveness, it's a 24-month loan. And what is that interest rate then? The interest rate is very low. It's 0.5%. So it's almost nothing, but you have to pay it back in 24 months. So, you know, again, exactly what Michael said. The, the point of this money is to keep people on staff and to pay your rent or mortgage interest. So you can use it for that as well. So that, you know, right now we're going through, it's, you know, April 2nd, people have had to pay their personal rents and personal mortgages, and there's all this forgiveness, and you can't get evicted on the business side, all the commercial 
you know, building owners also need to pay their things. So they're trying to help you keep people on staff and pay your rent, basically. That's what they're trying to help you do. And so Michael's exactly right on. And your business may also be a going concern, but may not be able to support itself if you have to keep everybody on. Now, another big question people have is, I've already furloughed or laid people off. I can't do this. You can if you bring people back. So you can bring people back, but again, it's got to make sense. And you just have to do the numbers, right? You just have to figure out how much can I get? How much is forgiven? And what does that do to my current financial forecast? And once you figure that out, it makes a whole lot more sense because I don't think that you want to get saddled with a loan that has to get repaid in 24 months. Now, if the loan is $6,000, maybe that's fine. But if you're trying to deal with 50, 60, 70 employees, you know, those people's payrolls, you're talking half a million to $2 million. Nobody wants to be saddled with that, even at a low interest rate and have to pay it back in 24 months. That's where accountants are so relevant right now. If, if any time in history are accounts relevant, it's it's now for small business owners because accounts are equipped to be able to help their clients figure out which route to go makes sense for their business. There may have been some breaking news just a few hours ago. I recall seeing something somewhere on Twitter about this interest rate changing from half a percent to 1% at a news briefing. It's changed a couple of times. It was actually up at 4% for 10 years. And that's what a lot of people thought for a while and the banks as well. Um, and then it, when it, all the paperwork to the banks came through it, it was actually half a percent for 24 months. Um, and so if it's changed again, I hadn't heard that <laughs> bit, but it's changed twice. Or, I mean, it's already changed once. It was originally. 10-year loan at 4%. And that changed to be a half a percent to tw- for 24 months. Yeah. Blake, I think you're referring to the, the SBA's administrator finally put out on the SBA website um, about four, between 4 and 5 p.m. Um, this you know Pacific time. They put out um, the interim final rule um, that the administrator wrote up of how they would go about advising and providing guidance to the banks and community banks. And that did say in that final rule, that's going to the federal register now, um, that the loan interest rate would be 1% um, for for this loan. Okay. So that just happened because I'm reading here uh, on a CNBC story that is dated April 2nd uh, at 7.09 p.m. Eastern, and we are recording at 8 p.m. Pacific that Mnuchin announced in a press conference this afternoon or in the evening um, – Eastern time that interest rates were raised to 1% after hearing concerns from banks. So I guess, I mean, I'll check his Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because that's where official policy is made these days. Uh, So apparently there was a resistance from the small banks. Sabrina, maybe you have some insight on this resistance from the small banks because the, they're getting a cut of all of these loans that are being originated. Right. And it wasn't going to be that much money. Like for a hundred thousand dollar loan, it would be $5,000. And now they're raising this percentage. So the banks are going to get more for these smaller loans or something like that. Yes, exactly. Um, and I, I, I do know that the banks were concerned. Now ours is a small community bank and um, our perspective had been, you know what, we need to help small businesses. We need to help our community. There is a small fee that the bank gets for getting the loan through. 
And given that interest rates are basically at zero, 24 months and 0.5, you know, our community bank's perspective was it's fine. We will, you know, it'll be worth our while and our community desperately needs it. But there was definitely some kind of pushback from some small community banks that said, you know, we don't get anything. Now, the, the biggest thing there to really consider is it's all the very small businesses that they're most concerned about, that they have this volume of thousands and thousands of businesses that need payroll protection program loans that are going to be less than $100,000 because the loans above half a million, and, and I forget there's maybe it's, I think it's half a million, but loans above that amount, they get 3% for, but you know, if you're getting a million dollars, the bank's getting $30,000 and that's not bad. I mean, it's not, that's not the business model the bank has, but you know, you're making something from it and it's worth the time versus for a hundred thousand dollars, you're making 5,000. So there was definitely concern, not just from the banks, but I think from the general community that if you didn't make a teeny bit more incentive for the banks, you don't want people playing with things and not serving all the businesses. You don't want cherry picking. And the SBA will be auditing banks. So they do want preference for underserved uh, entrepreneurs. So entrepreneurs of color, women and rural entrepreneurs need to get preference and banks are going to have to prove that they're doing that. Um, and so this was kind of a concession to sort of make sure that we can serve as many small businesses as possible. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Giraffe. Giraffe sounds a lot like giraffe, and that's no accident. Giraffes are the tallest animal in the world. That gives them a great view. Our goal at Giraffe is to give you a similarly great view of what's going on with your business. We do that by helping you understand where your business has been, and most importantly, predict where it's going. Giraffe connects your cloud-based accounting, payroll, CRM, and billing data together to automatically update shareable online dashboards, monthly reporting packages, and sophisticated financial plans and budgets in real time. If you're using Excel for reporting and forecasting, you'll save hours every month with Giraffe. Learn how accounting firms are using Giraffe to deliver connected insight, strategize growth, and help their clients make more profitable decisions. Visit giraffe.com and start your 30-day free trial. That's J-I-R-A-V dot com. See farther with Giraffe. All right, I got all my ducks in order. I know I'm not going to have to lay off people. I'm ready to go apply for these loans. I've started to see things about fees. Like, can the bank charge me a fee, to, like an origination fee? Can If Michael's helping me prepare my paperwork, is he allowed to charge me um, in process of trying to apply for this loan? Like, what's okay and not okay out there? So bank can't charge you. That's absolutely not allowed. The bank cannot charge you for the PPP. And the SBA is not going to charge you for the EIDL at all. Now, in terms of will Michael, I expect he will and he should if he's doing work for you, right? I mean, the work has to be done. So like in our company, um, we're a small business. We're under 100 employees. We've been affected by this and we've been looking at it. We do have a CFO. So he's taking his time and his effort and he's looking at all of this and seeing what makes sense for us. I would expect that if Michael's going to do this, he should be charging you and you should pay him because you should want him to do really good work. Yeah, no, definitely, Sabrina. And, and we're, you know, like many accounting firms, we're prioritizing 
on focusing on our own customers first um, because those customers have agreements with us. They're paying us advisory fees and and um, monthly servicing fees right now. And in the same vein, uh, the banks, uh, many banks have communicated that they're going to first prioritize and focus on their current customers that they have relationships with and they may that they may also already have SBA loan backed loans with. Um, so they're going to be focusing on those customers, putting them in line, and that would make sense um, before before new customers get in line with them. So you do want to, you know, I'm telling customers, you do want to reach out to your current banker, your current bank, and if you don't have a relationship with them already, besides just a deposit relationship, you want to find out who the bank lender is uh, at your bank and have a relation, uh, communicate with them, form that relationship, and begin to let them know what assistance you'll need and what option you want to go with, and get the help of your accountant or your attorney. Um, or your advisor to to walk you through this um, as you as you apply for these loans. So the banks are going to get one percent because the SBA is going to pay the interest to the bank uh, on the small business's behalf if they comply with the program and and use the PPP money to maintain payroll. So they're not actually the if you get full forgiveness because they're uh, you won't have you have six months reprieve basically to paying back the loan if you get full forgiveness. The bank is only getting that percentage, either five or three percent, depending on the amount. The bank is not getting paid the one percent interest. It's beyond that, and anybody who keeps the loan and doesn't get full forgiveness. So that's my understanding that the bank isn't necessarily going to make any money per se from the loan. Those eight weeks, um, it's their the little bit of money to be made is from that three or five percent that they're going to get depending on the loan amount. And then if people borrow more than is forgiven or they don't spend it in the right way, then the bank can make that one percent. And it's the actual um, it's the borrower that will pay it. OK, so the one percent applies only if the loan is not forgiven. Exactly. Correct. The portion that is not forgiven. What is this three to five percent again? So it depends on how much you're getting. It's a sliding scale. So if you're eligible for, I think it's, and I'm trying to find the exact information here. If you're eligible up to like $500,000, the bank gets 5% of that. Beyond that, the bank gets 3%. So that comes out of the amount that I would get? Is is like nope, they that's Nope. That's getting paid by the SBA. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's, a, it's a basically a lender fee. It's basically a lender yep. fee. Yeah. So the banks are going to make a lot of money from this. Well, it depends, right? If your average loan is fifty thousand dollars, and you're, you know, you get your five percent, twenty five hundred dollars for the amount of like scrambling and work and dealing. That's not the banks aren't making a ton of money. I mean, if you're looking at it from like I'm going to be a bit, this is going to be a huge money maker. Maybe in bigger communities where businesses are bigger, if your average loan size, you know, gets up above five hundred thousand dollars, it's an opportunity for banks to make money because they're making five percent on those bigger ones. Three uh, percent. So it's five percent on the lower amount, three percent on the bigger one, but it's just more money, right? So, right. but from you know, from the community bank perspective as a, a board member, the opportunity I see is it's an opportunity to actually serve your customers, serve them well, help them so that they don't go out of business, right? I don't want them to go out of business because then I don't have a customer. 
So I am incentivized to help them stay in business. And it's an opportunity to actually serve people who may become customers. Anybody who's banking with a community credit union, they don't do SBA loans. They're not SBA preferred lenders. And different banks are, yeah, community banks can't, uh, credit unions can't. Um, be SBA lenders the way the credit union makeup is. So, so there are going to be people out there who have banks that are not SBA approved lenders and they're going to have to go to other banks. So it is an opportunity, if done correctly, to grow your customer base. And I think that's the bigger opportunity. It's number one, you don't want your people, your customers to go out of business because that's not good for you. And number two, if you're able to figure out a way to streamline this, and help a lot of customers, you could, you know, be in a really good position once we get out of this crisis. Yeah, yeah. The, the reason I brought this up, and, and sorry, Michael, we'll come back to you, um, is that I did in my mat in my head, I did the math. I said, okay, three hundred fifty billion dollars, right? And five percent of that is seventeen point five billion dollars. <laughs> That's a lot of money. Yeah, like that the banks are going to get. Yeah, well, the majority of these loans again are going to be smaller than three hundred fifty thousand dollars, and the final rule said. For loans of not more than three hundred fifty thousand dollars, they would receive that five percent. But then it does step down to three between three hundred fifty thousand dollars and two million, and then it drops down to one percent if it's a loan above two million dollars. So yeah. um, between two million and the ten million max that you're allowed on the PPP, the bank's only going to get one percent of that loan, and it's limited to is it two and a half times your average monthly payroll. Yeah, two and a half times the the average monthly payroll costs. And there is a definition to that monthly payroll cost that's provided by uh, the SBA and what on what they're defining as monthly payroll costs. And I should say, is it is it the monthly payroll costs? So it's like I take a month of my payroll costs and multiply it by two and a half uh, with all those provisions? Or is it a larger period of time? Like I was confused on that. Yeah, according to- You have to take- Oh, sorry. I was going to say, according to the final rule, it's the previous 12 months um, of payroll costs and the average of that. Over. So it's the total. Yeah. Over 12 months. Yeah. So when I go to the bank, I have to have some report that shows my payroll for the last 12 months and then the current quarter. By month. Yeah, well, they're actually ask you on the application. So the SBA has a SBA application. Some banks are rolling that into their applications, but the SBA has already released and it's out there and you can get it, their actual application. And on their application, what they want to see is that actual calculation of you have to do everything, right? You go, you do your rolling 12 months, you get your payroll, you divide it by 12, you multiply it by two and a half. And now you've got what you're eligible for. So that'll be a line. And then the next line will be basically you have to figure out, well, what is actually eight weeks? Because that's not two and a half months and it's eight weeks of now. And what are all the approved expenses? So that's a different number. Um, but when you go to them, you do have to have some records Basically, if you've been using accounting software and you have your payroll in it, you'll have some records. And if you've been paying payroll tax, you'll have all of that. So that's really what they want. They just want to be able to see that. And one of the things that a lot of people are recommending is that when you get your PPP money, 
that you actually open an account, you put it all in that account and you pay only approved expenses because it's a very clear, easy, trackable way to be able to show and make sure you're going to get your forgiveness rather than commingling. And then you have to be very careful with record keeping. I mean, you still have to be careful, Mm, but you know, if you're getting uh, a chunk and you're going to pay eight weeks of payroll and rent and utilities, which are approved, put it in a separate account and pay it all from that account and only pay those things. And it'll make your record keeping easier. So when the calculate, I do the calculation based on my payroll and that's how they figure out how much the amount to, to, for the loan is, but I can use it and spend it on my rent and other items. Yeah, there's a list of forgivable expenses that are covered in the covered period, and it includes payroll, rents, utilities, and other items that's that's been listed out by the SBA. So is my rent and all that included in the original calculation? No. And that's why the original calculation is two and a half months, I guess. So you get to calculate two and a half months, and you only get forgiven for eight weeks. And so that allows you potentially to have some extra, right, right. to... To, to pay for rent and other things. I, I was wondering if the two and a half months was just like how long they hope this is going to last at the longest. <laughs> you know, that it's like, uh, let's let's really hope that it's done by April, May, mid-June. Because if not, <laughs> and that brings me to my next question, which is the amount is $350 billion. How quickly is this going to go, Michael or Sabrina? So every small business in America applies for it and – Everybody just gets $12,000. Great. Yeah. Wow. I hadn't thought about that. So there you go. Um, But not everybody's going to apply, right? To Michael's point and what he said already, right? You may be in situations where it just doesn't make sense. If you've already laid everybody off, if you've shuttered, if you can't open for the next two months, you should be thinking of other options. And maybe it's the EIDL and maybe it's something else. But, you know, not everybody is going to apply for this. It isn't going to make sense for everybody. And when do the payments start? Do they start immediately? Or they is like the whole amount due it in 24 months or what? Um, no. So the, oh, the payments for the borrower, you get six months reprieve. Okay. Got it. Six months. And then I start making payments on principal yep. and Correct. interest if I, okay. Correct. If it wasn't forgiven. But, but I really would encourage, you know, small business owners to be working with a financial advisor, whether you have someone internally or you're going to an accountant, because I really, the way this loan pans out, you should be getting what can be forgiven. That's what this is for. And that's how you should think about it. That's really, I think what people should think about calculating. And then if you need more, go to the EIDL and then think about how you're going to deal with the EIDL. And if you're going to go bankrupt, don't get any of it. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and if, if you're hoping or banking on forgiveness, I mean, you got to remember that the, when the whole purpose is for payroll and payroll costs, so at least 75% of this loan in order to be forgiven needs to be uh, spent on payroll costs. And so you, you, can't, you can't be using this for rent, utilities and other costs that are listed as forgivable costs um, and have that add up to more than 25% of the loan of, of the portion you want forgiven. So you really need to focus on making sure that this is spent on payroll costs and that you have a, have a way to spend that and you have the people and the and people employed or people return, return from unemployment in order to do that. 
Sabrina, you said I shouldn't get this unless I'm going to you know, still be in business, but is there a personal guarantee? Like, do I have a risk if I take this and then I go out of business? No, the, the payroll protection program does not have a personal guarantee, but the whole, you know, if you're really going out of business, you probably have already laid people off. And when you do your calculations, you're going to see it doesn't pan out. Like if it's just to, because it's not just to pay yourself, right? You can do that. There is a independent contractor and sole proprietor clause to this. Nonprofits can also apply, but you know, They've also beefed up unemployment and everybody's getting $650 more per week. So, I mean, you really have to weigh it. The whole purpose of this program is to help businesses that really can survive and need that extra help to keep their FTE where it is and not pour people into unemployment. So, you know, I mean, obviously you can do whatever you want to do and people are going to do it, but, you know, from a kind of mission of helping small businesses, I really would advise people to think very clearly what their options are and apply for the right programs. So so I have a question, Michael. Now you've advised me to either or Sabrina actually think I said to go do I'm gonna set up a different bank account. I'm gonna make sure I only use this money to do payroll and my rent and the qualified expenses. But like it does that mean in six months when it's time to get it forgiven, do I have to like create some report and go back to the bank and show them something? Or is this kind of more like an IRS audit situation? Like maybe one day the SBA will show up and want to see justification. No, you will have to ask for forgiveness. And when you ask for forgiveness, there will be a process, which is not clear yet because they barely have clarity on how you can apply for it. But there will be a process and you will want to do that a good, you know, 60 days before the six months because you will have spent all your money in eight weeks. So as soon as you spend your money, you should be working with your bank and saying, great, what's my process? How do I get this forgiven? Here's all my record keeping and it's all in shape and I have everything I need and I can prove everything that I need to prove so that you immediately just get it forgiven and you don't have to worry about it. Now, somebody said that I can get this loan even if I'm a sole proprietor, I don't have a business entity, I'm an independent contractor. I think there's lots of different terms uh, that are all interchangeable here. So how is that going to work? Yeah, I believe the the application process opens up for another set of borrowers like self-employed and independent contractors starting April 10th. Um, and that's and that guidance, I think there's there's going to be more clarity put out even for that group group of people, but they're going to have to wait until April 10th in order to do that. And I assume then, let's say I'm that person, I'm going to be the only person on payroll, right? I mean, and I can I can do that. They're going to let me do that. So instead of having to go, yeah, there's, yeah, go ahead, Sabrina. There's going to be a process. There's going to be a process for it of like being able to prove from your taxes and what you filed. Um, so people have asked me, well, so my 1099 people, they don't count as FTE if I'm not using them. And they don't. When we're talking for the PPP, if you employ people, it's people on payroll, you pay payroll taxes for. Your independent contractors are eligible, but they're going to have to apply on their own. And like Michael said, that application date starts April 10th. And I almost think that it's because they're not sure what that process is going to look like. And they're just dealing with this one first. So, so you mentioned that if, you know, every small business in America applies for this thing, we're all going to get $10,000, which to me indicates that we've got what, like 35 million small businesses that might apply. 
if you look at exactly all the numbers, you know, this isn't enough. And I think Michael alluded to, there's already talk about what's next, right? Because yeah. this isn't going to, or maybe Blake, you asked, like, does this mean it'll be over in eight weeks? Probably not. And so there's going to have to be another aid package. They're going to have to, they're going to have to do something else. Well, so where I was going with that question is, uh, are the banks going to be able to process, you know, tens of millions of loan applications potentially? I mean, even if it's just in the millions, it's a lot to do all very quickly. How soon is this money actually going to get out to people? That is a really good question. I have heard from uh, some people that larger banks already have a full online application process, and they're saying you can get your money in 48 hours. I have no idea if that's really going to be the case. Well, Chase doesn't. Given that Chase, at- Chase just has like a landing page up saying that they're not going to be done by – and they're saying that they're not going to have it by Friday. I saw an article on CNBC that says the every bank they've asked – um, has said they're not going to be ready this evening. And this goes live in what, three hours? Two hours? Another hour, right? On the East Coast, midnight, right? So Oregon Pacific Bank will be ready. Um, All right. And I know a There's few one. other banks that will be ready. <laughs> <laughs> um, U.S. Bank apparently has an online application and they're one of the ones promising 48-hour return. I don't know how that is possible, but for what that's worth. Yeah, and it's interesting to see how the the, the online and fintech players are trying to get involved. Um, even even uh, Fundera and other other online fintech players, um, although they're not SBA lenders, they're trying to help customers um, get their documents together and, and ready. And um, they either you know must have some kind of referral fee relationship with with banks that do SBA lending, um, or they're trying to position themselves as an agent. Um, and there is doc, um, there is information about being an agent and what um, how agents get split on the SBA fee. Um, they get a small portion of that fee, and so it's it's interesting to see how the fintech players are positioning themselves um, um, in order to take advantage of this application process and help process these loans. Yeah, I'm, I'm on my bank website right now, BBVA Compass, or it used to be Compass, just BV, BBVA, and they are a national preferred lender by the SBA, but it says nothing of the PPP on this website in any way, shape, or form. Wow. And and then Blake, you said there's just a holding page on Chase's right now? Yeah, it it basically said that they're not accepting applications at this time, but just check back. And then I read another news story where they said they're not going to be ready by tomorrow. Yeah, and, and and many of the and definitely- I was going to say many of the larger banks have have emailed, and I've seen emails from clients that they've received these emails have said specifically, do not go to your branch, do not do do not come in. We will provide information, but your branch, your lender at the branch, will not be able to help you. Um, so many of the banks are not ready and will not be ready tomorrow. So we'll find out. I think we'll see just how many of them are on on the ball with that. <laughs> And I would say this is a great time to reach out to your community bank. The reason I joined a community bank board is that community banks were created to really be a part of the community. They're smaller. They can be more nimble, not all of them, but um, there's a couple other community banks here locally that I know are also ready. And they are, you know, they don't have as much of the sort of big infrastructure and all the, uh, organizational structure to get through to be less nimble when something like this happens. So, you know, I would say think about if you're not banking at a community bank, just reaching out and seeing because they may be very happy to help you. 
That's great. They won't do it in person, though. Do not go to the branch. <laughs> and, and this is good because we should all be social distancing, and it would be ridiculous if you know millions of small businesses showed up at their banks to, <laughs> to have to fill this out. Michael, I want to make sure b- before we go that we talk a little bit about like the practical aspects of handling this for your clients. You said you have what 150 clients. You know, are how are you going about you know helping your clients with this? Do you have a? Did you email them like a service offering? Like, what's the workflow? What documents are you getting together? Like, is this driving you insane? Are you up all night? Me, and my, me, and my team have been working a lot, definitely. And, and one is we, we've, you know, I personally got on the phone um, over the weekend over, and over the past few weeks, um, and actually contacted um, all of my major customers that I had a relationship with, and just contacted them by by phone, um, just checking in on them, making sure they were okay and their families were okay, um, and then. Um, letting them know about their options um, that we were aware of, and then helping them prepare the documentation in order to um, work with their bank. And oftentimes we would ask, hey, if you want us to interface with your bank, we're more than happy to be the direct communication line so that you don't have to be um, involved other than going into your bank and signing and approving you know, that, that you want to do this loan or uh, you want to go through this process. So um, we're also helping just calm anxiety and fears with our customers who are worried if they can, you know, even still be in business or maybe they're doing really well and they're trying to assess how do I continue to grow during this time when everyone, when most of my friends and peers around me are not, um, and how do I um, have enough empathy and also take advantage of the opportunities that this pandemic is providing some of my, you know, uh, e-commerce clients and other clients that where industries are growing and doing very well. Yeah, that's a good point, right? In every economic downturn, there is opportunity and some businesses will fold, many will fold, but many giant successful businesses came out of downturns. And if we can help them like you're doing, then that's a, that's a, we're doing some good there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, you know, I've been, I've been spending um, almost every day with a few other accountants that many of you know that we're doing a daily update um, on Facebook Live and for, for our peers and also for our clients that we can send video formats to. And I'm also um, engaging a so- local associations oh, yeah. and chambers. Uh, tell, yeah. Sorry, uh, tell us about that, that, that group, like uh, where can people, you know, listen in or, or join? Yeah, so um, so I'm I'm doing a, a daily Facebook live um, on my on my um, on my Facebook page. If you go to just search for Michael Lee on Facebook, um, Michael Lee spelled L Y, and I'm doing that with Jacob Jacob Schroeder, um, Amy Walker, Chris Maxey, and Dan Luthy, um, who all are accounting firm professionals and accounting firm owners, and um, we're providing that daily update update at uh, 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. Um, every day, and we'll continue to as we go through this um, through this pandemic um, until we get out of it, just so that we can continue to provide recorded and live advice and answer questions for people. Sabrina, so you know, thank you so much for joining us. If people want to connect with you, find out more about the Oregon Oregon Pacific Bank. Did I get it right? Yep, Oregon Pacific Bank. Uh, you know, where where can they connect with you? The best place to send people is just my email address, Sabrina at paloalto.com. Um, I uh, usually am a huge advocate of work-life balance. And now that we're just, you know, stuck in our homes all the time, I have lost all sense of it. And um, to be honest, <laughs> I feel like, you know, closing the door of my home office and pretending nothing else is going on outside of my house, which is a typhoon of teenagers on Xbox eating everything in sight. 
um, I'm available a lot. So just email me, <laughs> Sabrina at PaloAlto.com. Uh, and Sabrina, I feel like in the past, you've always advocated um, not work-life balance, you really uh, work-life integration. And I think you've you've achieved it. You're, you're at the, the, the peak of this right now, right? We've all achieved this now. It's your dream, Sabrina. Oh God, I don't know. If this is my dream, but yes, I uh, I certainly have uh, always advocated integrated life. I don't think I quite imagined this, you know. Um, and and I say that all of you who have little little kids, I get it. It's really really hard, but. I will uh, see your little kid and I will raise you by two teenage boys any day. Yeah, I'm trying <laughs> to decide. I would happily train. Yeah, maybe you can ship your uh, teenagers over to me and you can take my five-year-old who's bouncing off the walls because they closed the pool at the complex we're staying at. It's, it's a challenge for everyone, right? It um, is. It is. So thank you both for joining because I, I feel like I have a little – better plan of attack on Saturday when I sit down to decide some calculations of what I think I want to do or not do. Um, hopefully, any accounts or bookkeepers listening will be able to maybe reuse what you're saying when they communicate with their clients. Because I think even accounts and bookkeepers, this has been changing so dynamically and so fast that they can't keep it up with it. And so, if, if they can't, for sure, the clients can't. Michael is, you know... You're really on the cutting edge, like you were on this from the beginning. And I think a lot of accountants, I mean, you know, we're all so busy. It's it's the worst possible time this could happen in that it's like tax season and the deadline wasn't even extended until what, last week? I mean, I don't even know what, I don't know even when things are happening anymore. They're happening so quickly and nobody has had any time to wrap their minds around this. So thank you so much, Michael and Sabrina, for, for joining us and, and helping us get some clarity. Because now I feel like I, I understand at least the PPP a lot better. That's great. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you for having us on. And you're right. Um, you know, accountants, this is your opportunity to shine. And uh, I, I've even seen accountants send emails to their clients that said they're available to help after July 15th. And so <laughs> I, I'm just amazed by that and, and going, yeah. this money and their business will be gone by July 15th without <laughs> your help. So um, accountants, this is your opportunity to shine. Your, your tax returns are delayed. Go and reach out to your customers and give them, give them some help on this process. And anyway, you know, March was like 8,000 days. So between now and July 15th, it's going to be another like 20,000 days before we even get there. So, Well, it's because we're living on an exponential timeline now, right? Like it's oh, God. <laughs> every, every week is twice <laughs> as long as the week before. Uh, <sighs> so we're never going to get to the end of the year at this pace. All right. Well, we should let everybody get back to the application process because it opens in a few minutes. So we should probably wrap up. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be furiously checking all of my bank websites that I have relationships with, seeing if they are ready. And, um, you know, if you're listening for the first time, this is the Cloud Accounting Podcast. And uh, this was a very specific episode on the PPP program and the SBA loan options for clients. Normally, it's a weekly news roundup of all the latest accounting news with a bias towards technology. So uh, come back and, and join us for one of our regular episodes. And if people want to reach you, David, online, where can they do that? The easiest place is going to be probably Twitter or LinkedIn. And I'm just at David Leary. I'm at Blake T. Oliver. Michael, Sabrina, thanks again so much for joining us. And we'll uh, talk to you soon. That's a wrap. Thank you so much. Bye, everybody. Want to get the word out about your newsletter, webinar, party, Facebook group, podcast, job posting, or that fancy Excel macro you just created? Why not let the listeners of the Cloud Accounting Podcast know by running a classified ad? Hit the show notes for the link to get more info.